My name is Kit Tantalos. My mother is Sorsha. She sent me here to come find you. She told me that once long ago you stood together against the forces of evil and defeated them. The world needs you again. It needs your magic. It's okay. She is who she claims to be. How do you know? I read her mind. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Had you though, didn't I? I didn't read your mind. It's just... You remind me of your mother. My brother Eric was taken by... The Gales. The what? Your brother's alive. A prisoner of the Withered Crone. Who dwells in the Immemorial City that lies beyond the Shattered Sea. The four who came to Tira's Lean are her servants. I'm sorry, did you say beyond the Shattered Sea? Okay. What? Princess, I've traveled all across the world and I've met some real magical Marvins, but I've never met anyone who crossed the Shattered Sea. That's where all the maps end. And that's where we must go. Beyond the edge of our world. Into the unknown. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and today I am joined by a fellow questie, to adventure into the land of Willow. It is the magnificent Brian of Serving Pink Milk. Brian, I am so glad to have you with me today. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very... And it sounded... A questy sounds like I'm a Swifty. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> are, you, are you aware of the questy term? I am not. So it's been blowing up on the internet. I was also kind of taken aback when I first saw it. And uh, a questy refers to... Willow friends who are besties who want to go on quests together. So questy. And I think it's I... absolutely adorable. Okay. Well, let's be questies. I like yes. that. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Y'all. I, I am just, I have been blown away by Willow. Um, and Brian, I know you've also equally really, really loved it. And uh, nope. we wanted to take an opportunity to sit down and talk about it. And Jason still hasn't had an opportunity to watch. It. I know he wants to. And um, we were originally going to be, of course, joined by your wonderful colleague in Serving Pink Milk, the amazing Chase. Um, but Chase has had a pretty crummy day because there are a lot of jerks in the world. <laughs> um, yep. So, but, uh, we will, we will of course have the, the lovable energy of chase with us as we, as we talk all things Willow this evening. Um, and I apologize to your listeners because chase is brilliant and you're going to listen to me, forget names and stumble my way through it, but you know, I'm going to have fun doing it. So hopefully you will too. That's fair. I had to do a little, cause I'm also getting worse and worse. Like even when we're doing like regular episodes with star Wars things, I don't know if you remember, but like. I remember when I was young, I could remember like every like schematic of a starship. I could tell you how many engines were on it. Now I like I struggle to remember the character names. I don't I don't know if it's just a, the victim of getting older or what, but 
I'm afraid to tell you, I think it is. <laughs> um, but to, oh. to, to kick things off, I'm, I'm actually just curious, uh, Brian, have you, were you a fan of Willow the movie back in 1988? Yes, very much. I um, have been a Star Wars fan my entire life. Therefore, I was obsessed with George Lucas my entire life. So I saw everything that George Lucas did. I saw THX 738 when I was far too young to understand it or know what it was. Um, so it put uh, that was a movie I did not like for a long time because I again I saw it when I was too young. Um, now I, I love that movie. I love George Lucas and Willow was fantastic. I saw it a few times in the movie theater. I was that kid who, um, didn't like wizards because I thought a wizard that needed a magic wand was lame because a force user doesn't need a wand and they have a magic wand. That's also known as a lightsaber. So I was like, eh. <laughs> but let me tell you a corkscrew wand did me in and it was great. <laughs> I have a, um, uh, a tattoo on one of my arms that was, it took like 12, 13 hours to do. And all my tattoos, very hippy dippy and like mother earth and nature and all this stuff. And my tattoo artist had a VHS player. This was probably 2007, maybe 2008. And she had a VHS player and I did nothing but watch Willow while I got this here tattoo. Wow. Is and is the tattoo a willow tattoo or is it just you wanted um, more? No. Of the, okay, I, I like the I I love the energy of I I am the biggest fan of whimsy and a good time and just being able to like roll through anything with a smile on your face and I love that about Star Wars. I feel that like Willow brings similar energy that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Right there with you on that front. Um, and you know, I had actually never seen Willow as a kid, um, which blows my mind because I was, when I was young, when I first got into star Wars, the only star star Wars movies that were readily available at our local video store was the battle for Endor, the Ewoks movie. So I always thought that was part of the star Wars saga. Um, so when yeah. I was like, like little Carl's favorite star Wars movie was always battle for Endor. Um, even, even over empire and Jedi. And then as I got older, I was like, yes. what do you mean? These aren't, these aren't part of the trilogy. <laughs> um, so I know if I had seen Willow back then, I probably would have also instantly loved it. Um, but I actually never saw it until they added it to Disney plus. Um, and when they did, oh, yeah. Really? So it was just a couple of years ago. I sat down and watched it yeah. and I was like, this is so corny and adorable and I love it. Um, but seeing it as adult is certainly a different type of energy from a show like this. Mm. So when they announced that they were going to do this Disney plus series, I was just excited because it's like, it was a way of celebrating another George story. You know, when Lucasfilm mm-hmm. was bought, it, it just seemed like all Disney was investing in was star Wars, which I get. Um, But it was really exciting that they were taking something kind of this more cult following that Willow has and saying, we're going to do a whole series about this. And now, Brian, did you watch it week to week as it was coming out? Oh, yeah. I got up at, you know, four in the morning to watch it before work. Wow. Okay, you are you are a far more dedicated questie. Um, Yes. Um, Well, so, so dedicated that I didn't even know what the word, the term questie was until, you know, five minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I know like, I was so excited to get into it when it started and I just didn't. I I work in a college and the college semester kind of started almost in line with these things. And I just kind of got busy, forgot about it. And then um, a friend of mine was like, oh, I finished Willow the other day. I think you'd really enjoy it. And I sat down and I binged it in about 24 hours. And I. Oh, so you got to see the whole thing together. Yeah. Which was ah, so that's right, great. totally different experience, I imagine. And uh, I am not ashamed to say I just finished my fourth watch through last night. So I love this show so much. Um, and that's great. You know, I, I it. I didn't have any strong allegiance to the original story. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think this show requires one because um, it's nope. just doing so many new things. And and that's kind of the first thing I'd love to just chit chat with you about is what what kind of surprised you? What stood out to you just in general about this show? Um, you know, let me backtrack just a second. I'll get yeah. there, though. Okay. But I think <laughs> when they announced Willow what i was i was really 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 excited to see who lucasfilm was because i feel like i've been pretty open about um my feelings between i don't know any of these things but you know we all like to speculate like we have some sort of idea right but i feel that there was like some sort of struggle between disney and lucasfilm at some point in time whether that was representation, queerness in general, um, where to take Star Wars going forward, who who was the one with the reins behind it? You know, we learned a little bit between that with uh, uh, with Iger and his really pushing to have Solo come out six months later, and we saw that unfortunately that was probably not the right call to make. Uh, because Solo is amazing and deserves way more attention than it gets. Um, so I was I was excited to see what Lucasfilm was. And because I felt that because Willow wasn't like as tentpole of a thing as Star Wars, Will, that Lucasfilm was going to get a little more creative running with it. And um, I know there are a few people that work at Lucasfilm that are fans of our show. So I chit chat with them every once in a while and I didn't know anything, but all I knew was people were very excited about it. Mm. And so it was getting me even more hyped. And I was, I was full on invested when uh, it was announced. Cause I, like I said, I love Willow. I've always liked it. Um, so that was what I was mostly excited for. And I think the, the, the thing that shocked me the most was how different it was. And from the very second that show starts and as a queer person, I was all about seeing like a queer relationship right there. And I like, I don't know if it was obvious to everybody else, but every gay person I think knew that they were into each other the second they saw each other. Um, But I was most, I was the most surprised at how different it was than the original but maintained the spirit of the original. And it felt like a very George Lucas story. Love that. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. Uh, 
this is, uh, I've never had an opportunity to talk to you on a podcast. So this is just, I know. I've, I've gotten to hear you talk on your podcast. We, and you have we such use, a, we use uh, our thumbs all the time. I know. Yeah, we definitely talk do. I love, <laughs> I love sliding into the DMs, but uh, this is so great because I think I just really appreciate that perspective you have of kind of that more, that, that drawn out ability to just say like, what did Lucasfilm want to do here? And it really did feel like there was just there were no restrictions on this in the type of story they wanted to tell and in the boldness in which they chose to tell a story with such clear representation, both of folks of color yep. as well as queer folk. And it's yep. just, it just, it's absolutely delightful. Um, and I, I know like for me, just right for like the first 10 minutes into the first episode, even I was hooked because it just, it felt so George Lucas to me that I, I, the scene that immediately made me fall in love, and it's only like a couple minutes into the show, is after Kit and Jade are training on the you know the precipice there, and adorable Kit just puts her hand on Jade's shoulder and is like, "Don't you ever want to you know adventure beyond the barrier?" Right? It's just mm-hmm. to me that's just so George Lucas. That's Luke at the the sunset. That's that's Anakin wanting to be the first to see them all. Right? It's such a yep. George Lucas trope about these characters who have this desire for something so much bigger than the barriers. I mean, literally, they're living within a barrier and. Kit just has this desire to break free of it and uh yep. and, and and is struggling to understand Jade's place in that with her. Um so I, I love getting to explore their relationship. Uh but yeah, yeah. I I, I, I I think I think this show for me was so inherently queer in right down to living in a barrier. And I think when we first meet Kit and Jade, my assumption was Jade was like going to be there out and proud and, you know, the first one out there and Jade might be the one to sit back a little bit. And that was not the story we got. We got somebody else who was far more open to embracing who they were. And it took physically leaving that barrier and leaving their their home for kit to like i think really start to accept it in herself um which is great i think that a lot of us go through that when we're coming out you know like i moved to a whole other city so i could just come out and no one had to know Mm. so i like (laughs) i escaped coming out to my friends by going somewhere i didn't know anybody um (laughs) and i feel that's kind of what she did it was great Mm. it was really really it was just a very it was a very queer show and at the same time, such a coming of age story um, that even if you're not a queer person, you can relate with those characters and having your first crush and liking someone that was maybe a friend first, but now they're more. Yes. And I think it worked on so many levels and it was really, it was really beautiful to be able to see an explicitly queer relationship, but not, so queer that somebody else who wasn't gay couldn't fall in love with them too. If that, you know what I mean? Like I really, it it meant a lot. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear you. (laughs) Um, and, and you know, it really is a coming of age story and I've always Mm -hmm. loved coming of age stories. And, and I think that's, that's the hook of the show is it's so easy to, I think it's easy to identify across the spectrum of characters and it, it, it's so it's such an archetypal type of story. Wow, that's not a good sentence, Carl. Um, but it's, it's like everybody kind of is this archetype. And I, every time I've watched through it, it's just like 
ooh, I can see myself in, in her. I can see myself in him. I can, you know, it's, it's so easy to identify with aspects of all of them. And I, something that really rung true to me across the show is the sense of vulnerability and honesty that the characters come to. I think yep. that, that's the heart of this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the adventure is is exciting. It's, it, it takes us along for a fun ride. But mm-hmm. the heart of this story is about these characters coming to a clear understanding of who they are and what they truly desire and being willing yep. to, to, to speak up to that. Um, it just, every time, like the first time I finished watching it, I was like, wow, there's so many people in my life. I just feel like I want to call up and be completely honest about how much I love them. Um, and, and, and I think that's the, that was just what really struck me with the show is how these characters come to this place of really being honest with one another um, and and mm. being willing to take that risk to be honest, no matter what, what that might cost them, uh, I think is just such a beautiful type of story. Um, and yeah. it's certainly what worked for me for the, uh, f- so perfectly. And something else I really appreciate is it's, if, if I'm not mistaken, every single character, every one of the main characters has a scene together. You know, Borman gets to be <laughs> with everybody. Kit gets a moment with everybody else. Yep. And, and they all just feel so real and authentic. And, and there's, it's just so great to see a story that is so character driven. That's really what yep. draws you into this show is they go on this adventure um, where they have to learn to really trust each other too. I mean, it's, oh. it's, that's such a star Wars theme, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's yep. a band of misfits who find belonging in that, that in that sense of being a misfit. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, I love that you were talking about the, uh, the, the openness and the honesty and the vulnerability, because I even feel like, Yes, I agree with you 100% that the characters all have that. But I almost I feel like the show was that the show mm. knew exactly what it was and let it they they had such a clear vision of what they wanted to do and what the spirit of the show was. And they leaned into it like 100%. Like, I don't know personally if I got all the songs at the end for me, I was like, I don't know if this is working. Mm. But I love that they loved it so much that I was like, oh, I'm here for it. I don't know if I understand it, but I'm here for it. You know what I mean? And like it was, you know, Willow, especially when I go back and look at the original now, it is very much an 80s movie first. Mm. And then like a fantasy story. And I feel like this show is very much a like a teen I you know I, I, I like a CW show like that's the only mm. word that I can like it's like a CW show and then it's a fantasy yeah and I feel like that's what the the heart and that's where the connective tissues are you know like they're very much uh, each of these the movie and the series are very of their time that they came from and the new show didn't try to replicate an 80s vibe. Yeah. And it knew that it was existing now and leaned into it. And it le- knew it was a streaming show. It leaned into that. You know, I love that the show just kind of ended. Every single episode just kind of 
ended in a really weird spot and or did something very similar like and or knew that it was a streaming show so i could basically end mid-sentence if i want to and then i'll just pick up next time yeah <laughs> and it's like it's so i love it it's different kind of storytelling that um you know i think streaming is is rapidly changing it changed a lot over this last few years after the pandemic or during the pandemic or whatever demic we're in um <laughs> and i feel like all these things are are getting their footing if that makes sense mm-hmm. right now and learning how to leaning into what streaming can be and um i think this show for me really was very effective in what it wanted to do and i appreciate that yeah yeah, I, uh, there, there, you know, that's, um, uh, yeah, I, I can't like, it's hard to like think about them as individual episodes considering mm-hmm. my introduction to it was kind of getting to be this binge watch. And I can't help yep. but wonder if I would have felt the same had I not been able to watch them one after another. It, it, it's impossible to answer that question because we can't go back yep. in time. This isn't Avengers Endgame. Um, but uh, <laughs> I just, I, I loved that at the end of each episode, I was just so invested in what's coming next. Um, and mm-hmm. each subsequent time I've watched it, and um, Brian, you may not know this about me because we don't, we've not interacted enough, but I am the yeah. type of person when I, when I get a media that I like, I just consume it over and over and over again. And I know that, wow. that so a lot of my friends are like, why don't you watch something else? I'm like, well, cause I'm still devouring this. <laughs> um, and oh, the same, Oh, good. my <laughs> husband is very the other. And we end up joking around about it, like on our podcast all the time, because like, look, truth be told, I really only like Star Wars. I like Star Wars. And then there's other things. <laughs> And I don't, I am not a huge like TV watcher anymore. Or I don't know if I ever was. And like, I'm not a massive movie goer because I really only have room for Star Wars because it is all consuming at all times. And so when I can get something like a willow coming in that just like takes me over, I know that it was something really special for me. And you know, we, you were mentioning earlier about, it's just very, the, it's a very much uh, like an arc, an archetype, you know, everyone has their little, their thing. And I really like that kind of storytelling. And I think for me, the show came in at a really important time because I loved Andor, but Andor and Kenobi both had me are continuing to have me in this very weird spot that I am like, personally trying to figure out within myself because I really loved both of them. I, and, or especially I know on paper, like how good that show was. Like it was an amazing show, but Andor specifically gave me Brian Barry, nothing that I like about a star war. Mm. And so it was very like, I was like, how, it was just this new thing of like, okay, I don't not like it because it's really good. But I was left depressed for 12 weeks or however, you know, 12 episodes and I, it never let up and it was really depressing and that was what it was supposed to do. So it was very effective at its job. But like, I like, as I said at the beginning, I like to feel good. I go to Star Wars because, look, Star Wars is a very sad story. Nothing good happens to Star Wars. Everyone is tragic. 
so many people die but you feel good after watching it somehow like it has that magic and that was something that george lucas did even in something like thx 1138 that is very sad it's very serious there was something in him that he did every single time that you knew it was going to be better. I mean, in THX, it's like you were underground the whole time and then we're going to come up out of this like manhole and there's a sunrise. Like that's a hopeful ending. Like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. And so Willow came for me in a time when I needed like a George Lucas esque story, but something to give me the warm and fuzzies. And this again is another show that's not happy. A lot of sad stuff's going on in this whole thing, but it's, it just has fun and I love it. That's yeah. that's my jam. I, I love hearing you say that because I, I felt a little differently about Android. I, I like you. I on paper, it's like this is an absolutely brilliant show. But my my only big issue with this, it never it never felt like my kind of Star Wars as well in the sense that yep. what draws me to Star Wars always is that sense of wonder and magic. Um, and obviously, yep. Star Wars doesn't have magic. It's the force. Same thing. But that sense of wonder yeah. and, and, fan, and like fantastic fantastic sensibilities Andor doesn't have that on purpose like i get it but yep. that's that's the thing i need and willow is exactly that willow to me felt like it felt like phantom menace energy right it was just something really light oh, yeah. and, and fun and um and it and it it wasn't afraid to be that either in the same way right like andor was a bold show in the sense that it wasn't afraid to be a very dark and gritty exploration of the rebellion willow wasn't afraid to be just something very non-serious and very fun even like you said even though there's all these serious elements within it there's a lot of grappling with identity and and relationship with with parent figures and such but at this core of it it's just this this romp of a good time um and and i think that's why i loved it so much is it just it gave me that that early prequel energy of we're in this beautiful space to explore and have fun. Um, and the worlds that we we visit throughout Willow, it's just they become more and more fantastical as we as we kind of break further, further out into the worlds. We get further yep. away from, quote, civilization and we, you know, we explore the, the forests and the. And the in the beauty of um, Scorpio and and the Bone Reavers and and getting a sense of what they're oh, really God. about. Um, and and then into these. You know, the 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 minds of Skellig are basically Kessel. That's all I kept thinking yep. about when, when I was watching the, the yep. sixth episode. Um, and then, you know, then you get these. It's just absolutely beautiful. The, and the the seventh episode, the Beyond the Shattered Sea, when they're stopping in the evenings and, you know, Alora and Kit have that beautiful conversation under the constellation. There's just there's something about so many of the visuals in the show that made me feel like star Wars has made me feel at the best of times, which is that always keep looking out, always keep looking up to the stars because your adventure is ongoing. And as you embark on that adventure, you become more and more of who you're supposed to be. Um, and, and Willow gives us the beauty of being on this adventure with others, you know, and, um, I, I really, really loved that. And I think Kind of going back to this this theme of honesty, I think what also really worked for me is the characters struggling over being honest, being honest about how they're really feeling about somebody. And, and the relationship yep. that really stuck out to me is Alora and Graydon. 
Um, I love that, you know, Alora is on, you know, in the very beginning episodes one and two, she's just the, the character who's looking for her, her lost lover, even if she doesn't really yep. know Eric. Um, and Graydon just starts to fall in love with her. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love how hard that is for him to admit because he understands one, oh, she's after her, you know, she's after her boo. You know, I, I don't want to come in between that. And also, she's a Laura Dannon, you know, f- f- uh, f- yep. f- future priestess. I don't remember the whole, the whole like, titles she gets, <laughs> but uh, she, you know, she always gets those titles. Um, and I, and I like that in a way, she's off limits, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. kind of, and I don't mean that like literally, she, she in Graydon's mind, she's off limits. And, The scene that really made me feel for him is when he's talking to Willow about it. They're, you know, they've been captured by the Bone Reavers, and um, I also love that he's referred to as the um, the sad frown prince by by the brownies. I love I love that title for him. The uh, the the angry sad prince or something uh, frown prince. It's so adorable. But he says to Willow, you know. Um, I essentially, I've got these feelings for her and Willows is like, well, stop. You can't think about that. Like you can't think of her like that. And he just says, but yep. what if I can't, or cause Willow says, Willow says, you're going to have to stop yourself from thinking like that. And he says, but what if I can't, I love that cry from just somebody yep. who's so in love with somebody, but supposedly they, they can't be right. And, and even obviously yep. that, that is, this is a, that's a, this is a straight relationship in that regard, but still like you know, as you've said so many times, I mean, that's how indicative that is probably of somebody who's fallen in, who's, who is a queer person who falls in love with somebody, but thinks I'm not allowed to be. Um, yep. and, uh, I want to live in a world where, where we fight against that, where, where we actually yep. say you can, and you should, <laughs> um, yep. but, I agree. um, I, it's, I, I, Graydon was a character that really just hit so much of his story. He's just, he's so kind hearted. Um, and the, the friend of mine who kind of, he was like, Oh, you should really check it out. I think you're going to like it. Um, we both love, we both, I can't remember the act. Tony, I don't remember his last name. The guy that plays that, that plays great in, but he's obviously plays, yeah. um, flash Thompson in the new Spider-Man uh-huh. movies. And all I can ever think of is, is just how, how good he is as flash Thompson. And he's, he's like the inverse of that in this role. He's <laughs> yes. just so beautifully and kind hearted. Oh. Um, and he just, he just wants so much to be, to be a hero, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love as he, he's just trying to figure out what to do with his feelings. Um, that's just so real to me. And, and, yeah. and, and, and wanting to be with somebody that in, you know, whether, whether it's culture or society, other people just say that mm-hmm. tell you, Oh, you're not supposed to be with that person, but that desire to still want to be with them. It's hard to suppress true desire. And yep. that's what I love about Graydon yep. in the way he starts to relate to Alora. And clearly she starts to fall for him as well. Uh, I think she yep. just recognizes the genuineness of, of who he is. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think his genuineness showed her how disingenuous Eric was. Mm. And I do think Eric was thinking he was being really genuine. Like when we first meet him, um, you know, I think I love that you said how she was untouchable. And I feel like that is something else that is a very Lucas viewpoint, I think, 
in the fact that like you know she's she's not like not a god but she's like the the, the empress she's the yeah. whatever she's the untouchable because she is so great and she is so important and he feels that he can't be that because he is not of that mm-hmm. and you know when when it was him who found it in himself when you you know maybe i can be it's such a an anyone can be anything that you want to be and that's such a george lucas thing and i don't care how trite it is i don't care how many times i've heard that story you know it always makes you feel good and i think it's it's an important thing to remind ourselves even as we get older ourselves or whatever you know it's never too late to be who you want to be and we can all be anyone that we want um and another thing you know you mentioned willow saying that he can't think of her that way i think willow these other characters are so good and willow is so great too but it's so easy to like look over willow And I love that, like, that's also kind of baked in the story. And I think one of the most important things from this is Willow realizes almost at the end and almost at the end of the series of the season, too, you know, like it wasn't his story. Yeah. And he thought it was all about him for so long. He carried that burden of and that responsibility that started to eat at him for so long and then realized it wasn't about him anymore. And I think, and he was okay with it. You know, we got to, and we got to see him not be okay with it. And I was going to leave them all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, they actually allowed him to like kind of falter and no one judged him for it at the time. I don't even think the audience, I don't think we necessarily judged him for it, but then he comes back and embrace the fact that it wasn't for him and embrace the fact that, this story was now for another generation and like, you know, that worked in story and it worked out outside, you know, it was a very meta, a meta thing to do. Um, that I really, really, I really appreciated that. Um, just as even like, I mean, I, we keep talking about star Wars, but again, that's all I know how to talk about. <laughs> like, you know, there's, I myself as a person who's been around forever, it's like not, not that I don't I don't love the the thing of the idea that like it's not for you. And I don't know if I always understand the Star Wars is for everyone concept because I don't think Star Wars is for everyone. Mm. <laughs> Personally, it could be if yeah. you'd allow yourself there, but like, you know, when people not my Luke and I hate Ray and the prequels are awful, the sequel trilogy stinks, well it's not for you anymore and that's okay. Yeah. Like it's okay. Let it go. Like, you know, I listen to the people on online who still are OT stands. They don't like the prequels. And now they also don't like the sequel trilogy. I'm like, well, you're now like the ones you liked are now the minority mm-hmm. of the saga as a whole. And that's cool. You can love those three, but maybe it's not for you anymore or because you don't want to go join what it became. And I just think people need to, like, become OK with the fact that, like, we can change and we can grow out of things. And maybe these stories are no longer for us. And I think that was something that Willow stood for. That was so amazing, you know? Um, And I really like that. 
And I hope that came out okay, because that could have come out in a very terrible way, too, now that I started thinking out loud. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was just pulling a rose tico. I was doing talking, and I don't think I knew what I was saying. <laughs> oh, I thought it was perfect. And yeah, you know, th- that, that notion that this story is moving on from. And, and I love the way you painted that, though, of Willow comes to understand what his place is in this story. And it's actually somewhat similar to what his place was in the original movie. He Mm -hmm. becomes by circumstance, not by divine will, but by circumstance, Mm -hmm. he becomes the caregiver of Alora. He becomes the one who's going to protect her. And now that she's grown up, he's, he has taken on a tremendous burden on his shoulders thinking that, you know, early on, he's so reluctant. He tells Silas several times, I can't use my magic yet. I've only got so much. Yep. I've got to save it up. Right. Um, yep. And as he becomes freer along the way, he understands that it's okay to let Alora to trust her to come into her own and understand that he can be right there alongside her as, yeah. as her companion, but not, not as, her, not as her master. She's not the apprentice anymore, yep. but rather, this is this is your story and my role in that story is to prop you up to to give yeah. you the space to grow into to the hero that you actually are and um and my role is to to support that um and i think that's really yeah. wonderful uh i love that you said that like even originally he thought he was going to be this great sorcerer. He thought he was going to be all these great things, right? Us as kids dream that we're going to be this big, great thing. And that doesn't happen for all of us to be that big on a grand scale. And I think I love that Willow recognized that, but then held on to it for a really long time. You know, and we get to meet his daughter and oh, God, I loved her. She was so great. And she's like, you know, but you're always a hero to me. And it wasn't enough for him for a while because he needed to be a hero to everybody. And like, don't so many of us like fall into that trap, you know, like of I'm not successful enough. And realizing that if you're successful to one person, like you can be that for just one person. And as you get older, you know, like I'm someone who I count my stars every single day for the life that I have, because as a 40 something year old gay dude, like I never thought I'd be able to get married. I never thought I'd be able to have children. Like it was just a a reality that I wanted that was not going to happen for me. And then times changed and I have an amazing husband and I have three wonderful kids and I always wanted to be more and I wanted a bigger voice. And then I got angry as a gay person thinking I couldn't have that voice because I was gay and people aren't going to listen to me and all of all of the the hoopla that comes out. And as a dad, I got to I'm like, oh, like I am everything right now to someone, you know, now I have a teenager. So now I'm back to being nothing again. But <laughs> Like, and it was this really like amazing feeling of like, okay, I now as a dad, now it's my responsibility to encourage my children to be anything they want to be without putting the weight of they have to be something Mm. and how to lift them up 
to achieve everything they want to achieve and realize that's all they ever have to do and not let society tell them that they need to be more. And I think it's great. And, you know, and of course, and Willow is, you know, different than everybody else. And so he had that added pressure too, of being, um, you know, different. And it was just such a, I mean, you said at the very beginning of the show, and it's completely true that I've never thought of until this conversation, but this was just a very honest show. It was just very honest. And it was really, it took, it took it, it took itself and the characters took themselves stood in front of me and gave a really hard look at themselves mm. and were really honest, including the stuff they didn't want to be, you know, and now we get to see, now we get to see dark Laura or whatever, whatever's going on over there yeah. and what that other side of her is going to be, you know, and I also can't, I can't help but think it was their part of Grayson who was somewhat afraid of, of her because he knew something was inside of him too, that he didn't want her to awaken in him or something, you know, because then we got to find out he's got this dark, whatever magic's going on up in him. And now here we are on that other side, who knows what's going to happen to him. Yeah. Real quick, I just as you're as you're explaining those moments, I um, thinking about how it's it's revealed that Graydon carries something in him that's dark, and mm-hmm. um, it made me it just I, you know thinking of that scene. I, it's in the fourth episode when they go to the the Bav, Bavmorva's Bavmorda's castle, and they're going to try yep. to drive this you know this evilness out of him. When they open his shirt and we see all that scarring and whatnot. And he says to Laura, like, I can't talk about it. It's shameful. And she just says, no, it's not. It shows your resilience. Yep. There's something about Laura mm-hmm. in this show is she is constantly showing up and affirming people. In a, and when they're when they don't when they're not quite capable of seeing just how good and precious they are. And the first time she does it is actually in that second episode when they go into the Nelwyn village and she, she you know, she encounters Willow's daughter and she just says, you know, you're still so beautiful. And Alora says, you're beautiful. It just, just the way she delivers the lie. Yep. Alora is constantly affirming people in their, in their goodness. Um, yep. And it, without even intending to, she just kind of becomes this, like this, this sacred mother type character where she is, even though she's struggling in herself to understand what it means to be a Laura Dannon and what it means to be this chosen one. I think what makes her actually special is she's just so aware of other people's beauty and wonder and is so quick to affirm that in others. And I appreciate that so much about her character. Um, And uh, yeah, the, 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 towards the end of the, the, also in the seventh episode, when, Graydon confesses to her his love. He says, you know, you're going to go to the Memorial City. You're going to find Eric and you two will be together because you love him. And while I don't love him, I do love you. And I don't need you to say it back because without you, I would have never become the man I always dreamed I could become. And I just I was like, that's love. That's what falling in love is, is somebody looks at you and you get to see reflected back this part of yourself that is coming alive and this person helps you bring that to life. How can you not fall in love with somebody like that? Well, I think, 
I agree. And I think that is also what woke something up in her mm. because the hardest thing in the world to do is to lift other people up when you don't feel like you're worthy as it is. Mm. And that does speak so true to who she is as a character, you know, because a lot of people are intimidated and get angry about those kinds of things. Uh, Borman, I think, was that in a lot of ways. I think he built himself up until he met all these other kids. And I think those other kids just being themselves allowed him to be like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of full of it. You know, it was like, (laughs) it was very Han Solo when he comes out of the carbon, you know, like his luck finally ran out and he was slapped in that slab of metal. And he woke up to return to who he always was. Cause he's like, yeah, I can't keep this up anymore. This is ridiculous. And, um, I love those kinds of characters, but I think, I think when, when Graydon said that to her, I I feel like it was probably the first person who ever said the kinds of words to her that she constantly said to other people. Mm-hmm. And maybe in that moment, she finally was not just the muffin girl. You know, yeah. she was really, she was someone. And Eric never made her feel that way. It was yeah. like, you know, yes, she was beautiful and she was all those things, but I don't like, it was very surface with him. And I think, she got to see this person who has seen her at her best and he had seen her at her worst at that point in time. And he still loved her. And I was like, Oh wait, there's more for me and I can have more than adoration. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And I agree. That is exactly what love is. That's a hundred percent what it is. It's when you meet someone and you want to be better for them and not because like you're not okay where you're at, but you're like, I, I will I love this person so much. I will never achieve their level of greatness, but I'm going to keep climbing up that hill to achieve that level of greatness. You know, for me, that's what, you know, and, and hopefully you find someone that feels (laughs) the same way about you. Yeah. (laughs) And you're both struggling up this hill. That's never going to end. And it's great. And that's how you, I think you persevere and have a really long lasting, beautiful relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and even early in the series, Graydon affirms her, even though she's like we were talking about, she's gone around affirming others when she's really struggling with that first magic spell to try to make that that bush grow. And yep. she's, you know, really frustrated. She's withdrawn herself from the group. She's almost as if she's I mean, she's frustrated and probably even a little embarrassed. She She's well aware that Kit mm-hmm. especially is watching her with very critical eyes. And mm-hmm. Graydon goes over and just says, listen. Kit's jealous of you. Borman's just wants to see what you can do. Jade is loyal because she believes it. Like you're the only one who doesn't see how great you are. I mean, he's the first person to come up to her and just be honest. Like we've been like, that's the buzzword of the show. He's just honest. And, and it's so, so good. Um, Something I I, lo- I really want to get your perspective on is like like let's look a little bit at, at Kit and Jade. That yeah, th- I love this relationship so much. Um, you, you, you've alluded to it a bit earlier. Um, you know that Kit isn't really sure what she can let herself feel for Jade early on, right? And especially being in this barrier, it's not until she goes yep. beyond it. Do you th- do you think it? Re- is it really this I I had the impression even in that first episode that watching them together like they're so playful together they're so 
mm-hmm. good together. And then she goes, I mean, in the first episode, she goes to Jade's room. It and kisses her. Gets on top of her and lands, like, just puts a really <laughs> hot kiss on her. Um, is Kit aware? Like, I mean, what, how, what was your read on that? Like early on, is, is this, is this kit just having fun with a friend or is it, she's, what do you think about all that? Where, where is Kit starting with it? Cause it seems like Jade knows how she feels, but hasn't quite expressed it yet. But is Kit confused? Yeah. Is Kit, where, where's Kit? You know, uh, my dear friend Chase, who I wish was here cause they would speak so much better to the show than I am. But they're also in their 20s. I'm in my 40s. So they're closer to uh, being young and first relationships than I am. Right. That was a very long time ago. I don't exactly remember anymore. Back to that memory slowly fading as we get older. Um, but Chase made the point that it was such young queer love of just not really knowing. And and there's not a lot of it anywhere. So you get stuck at least, you know, I can speak for myself and I came out in the nineties and it was a very different time. And so there's no role models of what it's supposed to be like. I don't know. So the only thing we could do is I could look at a man and a woman and like figure that out. And then, but somebody has to be the, the, the woman and someone has to be the man in quotes and that never really fit. And so it was, this this hard thing to do and i think for kit i think she is so you know she's royalty she's royalty and she can't be because she has responsibilities for her mother she has responsibilities for the kingdom she has all of those responsibilities so i for me i think back when i was in high school and like kissing a few boys but I was not gay. Like I don't even put, I, I, which sounds ludicrous, <laughs> but like it just, I never put it together. I just thought it was like, Oh, well I'm going to try this out. And I knew like, you weren't really supposed to try it out, but I'm going to try it out. And I feel like that's where she was like, this isn't a thing. Of course I can kiss her. And yeah. she's also a princess. So I'm sure everyone just tells her you can do whatever you want all day long. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was never a life that she could have. You know, and I think like I can I didn't grow up religious at all, but my husband is Irish Catholic through and through. So like he grew up Catholic school his whole life. And I think he had a very different understanding of what gay could be and what gay couldn't be. And he was okay being gay behind a closed door but couldn't be earlier on in his life, but couldn't be outside. And I am just like, I am not that person. I'm always like, I am here and you can deal with it or you don't have to. And I am also very thankful that I don't think I've ever been someone who got mad if you didn't want to deal with it. Like, okay, (laughs) we're not a match and it's (laughs) fine. So I don't, I don't have that, that understanding fully. Um, um, but I do think that's what's going on there. And then Jade, like, doesn't have it. She's not royalty. She's already fighting to be a knight that it doesn't sound like many people in her in her place get to be. So she's used to fighting for everything she has. So in order to get as far as she did, she had to be very confident in who she was and never back down. You know, that's that's how I felt. I'm like... 
I am not a tall person. And when I was young, I was also very thin. So I felt like as a small person, I had to be very big and very loud to be taken seriously. And so I learned how to just be very big and not move over for anyone. And it got me through whatever I needed to get through. Right. And so I think when Kit leaves the physical barrier, there's also an emotional barrier of what she could be like Kit had never told her that she was not the greatest swordsman in the world until they left because now Kit all, or Jade also isn't bound to all of those rules of what she can and can't say. And I think as a queer person, I think those of us that are, are come out, we go through those things and I'm sure everybody does like regardless of you're gay or not, you know, you go through stages where you separate from your parents ideals or the way you were brought up and, and you start actively challenging those things because I think most of us have ideas that we're like, Oh, I don't think I agree with that anymore. Um, and I think you need that freedom. And I think for kid, it was, she was free for the first time to be not a princess. Which I don't think she wants to be anyways. Like, I don't get that vibe from her whatsoever. Um, whereas Eric can't wait to be the king. He can't wait clearly. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that's what happened. I think she did plant that beautiful kiss on her, but it didn't mean she was gay Mm. in her mind. Yeah. But clearly it did. Yeah. And I think Jade knew that the whole time. And Jade was probably, I, I love you so much. I will sit here and I will, I will wait for you. Like even when Tom and I first got together, like I wasn't his boyfriend at that time for years when the family was around and it was really, really hard for me because I had already went through all that. And I had told myself I would never do that for anyone. And then there I was, (laughs) but I found someone that I loved very much. Um, and, and it was, you know, it was really difficult. And that was our life for almost a decade of, of slipping into uncomfortable roles until we had kids. And then once, once our first son Jack came, Tom immediately changed. It was the most, it was crazy. And he's like, I cannot do this. I will not teach my children that you have to hide who you are. Mm. And it was like night and day. I mean, I'm very proud of my husband. I love him. And it's, he's a great father because I know that was much easier said than done emotionally. Um, but it was great. And I, I, but yeah, a long tangent. I think that's what Kit was going through. <laughs> At least that's my reading of it. You know, um, it was great. It was such an honest, it was just a very honest relationship. And I love that they didn't, they didn't announce that they were girlfriends at the end. There was no big, like, I love you. I've always loved you. They, it was just, they're going to play that love story out. Yeah. You know, and hopefully, and I feel that this show respected that relationship enough that they're going to allow Kit to have a hard time with it. Mm. And I think like that, I want those kinds of stories. That's a very real queer story. Yeah. You know, like of one day I'm totally out and I'm totally great. And then the wrong person says something to me. I'm going to come and I'm going to come right back in. Yeah. And it's we don't get to see a lot of that in media very often. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it either goes terribly or it goes great. But there's never really the real life. It's it's a wave, you know, it yeah. comes, you know, it's a tide that comes in and out. Yeah. Um, some people that's forever. It's my husband forever. That is still who he is to this day. Um, yeah, it's just part of 
living how we are. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I love how you, you point out that it is, it's just such a, it is a naturally progressed relationship throughout the show. Um, and, and I, I, I love that it is, I, I, I appreciate you just kind of pointing out that for Kit in that initial moment, it's not necessarily like, yeah, I'm gay, I'm queer, I'm going to kiss you. And that's why mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's almost just like this natural expression of deep friendship. Even, you know, there's, there's an yep. intimacy between them. That's, that's so beautiful. And, um, I apologize that I always like point out moments. That's just like, that's how my brain works. Oh. So I hope that doesn't bore hey, you. I listen, to, no, um, I listen to your show. I'm used to it. And I love okay, it. Oh, thank you. So sweet. <laughs> um, but when, when they're out beyond the barrier for the first time, having their first little campfire, I love campfire scenes, you know, across, mm. across stories, because these are, they're always scenes of intimacy. They're scenes where characters express who they are, what they're after. Um, yep. Unless and, there's a couple baby porgs in front of that fire. Exactly. In which case, uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jade is, uh, I can't remember. I think she's just telling the group, um, about what happened to her as a young, ch- or, you know, her perceived truth of her, of her upbringing that she was, you know, with her family, the bone, re- the bone raiders reavers come in and wipe out her family. And that's, that's the truth she's living with. So she's living with this, this trauma. And as she's telling that story, I, it, it, just a testament to all of these actors, Ruby Cruz is absolutely brilliant as Kit. And the way she comes up and sits down next to um, Jade as she finishes telling her story and she just puts her hand on her arm. And it's just like I have so many friends like that where I'm telling a story that's really hard to tell. And I have friends who will just sit down and put an arm on me or put their arm around me. And and you just feel so safe and you feel at home. And I think in that moment, Kit knows that she is a home for Jade. And, and, and I think for Jade, it's, it's this understanding of, whoa, wait, maybe, maybe this can become something more than I thought it could be. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I find their relationship so wonderful because to me, Kit is the wild spirit. She is the wild adventurer and Jade is this anchor of loyalty, right? I mean, this desire to be a knight, this desire to be. To be this, you know, I want to serve the queen and, and serve the realm, if you will. They make this really beautiful pairing of, um, and it, my two, my two best friends um, who who are married. One of them, she is she is Kit's wild energy of fire and and just like this constantly blowing wind. And then her wife is just this anchor of stability in her life. And the way that they when you're in their presence, you're a better person because of their energies and the, and the complementary nature of their energies. And I feel like that's what I love about Kit and Jade. And while they're still very young and coming into this, I just see them as this, this couple that is going to create something really beautiful and wonderful, something that's not afraid to be a wild spirit, but always has this anchor in, in their relationship to each other. And as that adventure progresses in, Kit becomes just so aware that her life has a totally different meaning um, by being with Jade. And uh, if you don't mind, really quick, Brian, I'm going to play a really yeah. quick little scene between the two of them that I think is just absolutely perfect where where Kit gets to express exactly how she's feeling. Mm. Jade, all I care about is you. And if you want to come here, after we find Eric to live, I would tag along. 
that's okay, because I don't want to have any adventures unless they're with you. I should have told you that sooner. You know, and for that, for everything, I'm so sorry. Oh, all right, um, what did you want to say? Truth. I am, and have been for some time, just totally, ridiculously, desperately in love with you. And in about ten seconds, I'm going to kiss you. So if you don't want that... Yes, I... I, I mean, I would be very into that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for uh, giving me that moment. Um, I, I, of course. I, I if, just, and if we're going to die, then I just want you to know I truly, deeply yes. love you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Mic drop. That's it. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> oh, I, I just I love that that. Uh, I always I found that episode fascinating that they they take these they're essentially it's, to me it's like yeah they just took shrooms <laughs> you know they're they're just yep. they're all tripping but it, they're truth trips um, yeah and uh, truth trips I love it <laughs> and I love for for Kit it's this realization that these adventures she wants to have I think in her mind she's always kind of built it up that there this is something she's she's just has to do for herself. But I think what she's really stepped into is the reality that, oh, wait, no, all the times I've dreamed of these adventures, Jade was kind of at my side. Um, and so maybe that's maybe that's the truth is that I'm actually supposed to be with be with her to have these adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I I just adore their relationship. I wish that they got to see those fantastic little lumberjanes. Oh, earlier yeah. in the season, like yes. the, uh, I, that was very much who they're going to be in my mind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I loved those two characters so much. They were so great. Um, I love that the one lady like didn't, I don't know. I don't even remember if she ever had a single line. Yeah. I don't think she, she did. just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she did <laughs> because she was like, she was the anchor and her wife was like the fire out there. She's like, oh, what is she going to say now? <laughs> you know how many times I've gotten those eyeballs from my husband? Like, Oh my God, what is he, what's going to come out of his mouth? <laughs> and you get the uncomfortable. Oh God. It's a good thing. I love you in the corner. Like everyone, need, you know, all yeah. of us people, all of us wackadoos need someone like this a little more. <laughs> Who at least out in the open. Yeah. Out in the, you know, Tom understands when the door is closed in your house, you can say whatever you want. I don't really have that. I <laughs> seem to say whatever I want, wherever I am <laughs> for the good and the bad. But that's, you know, that's what I love. Like that is to Jade will be to me. Like, I just want them to be together forever. Yes. They need to break up for a little while. I'm a fan of young, young people breaking up having a little life experience outside of the two of of them and then come back together Mm -hmm. i'm personally a fan of that i've told all my children that you know if you meet someone that you love dearly allow yourself a little bit of a break to go experience some other things because you couples need that in my opinion yeah uh 
So I hope they have that for themselves. Huh. Oh, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you mentioned earlier, you know, that hopefully in the second season, we then get to contend with what does that look like now when they come back to Terra Selene? What does it look like for Kit and Jade being back there as a couple? What will, how will that impact yep. things? Um, absolutely. You know, I don't know if, if John Caston, I don't think he's gay. I don't know. Um, but I know like Ruby Cruz and, um, oh God, what, what's that Fist Nest name? Oh, I am so uh, bad with Aaron actors. Kellyman. Aaron Kellyman. Yeah. Like they're both queer. And so I think that's where a lot of that is brought in. So I really do hope that when they, cause we will get more seasons. Like, let's just be honest. Yes. Like let's hurry up and an, let's hurry up and announce it. Lucasfilm and Disney. And let's, let's just get there. Ready. Yeah. But like, I really do. And because word of the day, how honest the show is like, I really do hope we get to see that pulling back and not knowing how to deal with that. Um, Cause I think there's some really important stories there that, um, yeah, that I, I think, I think it'll be, let's speculate responsibly too. Cause this doesn't happen. You know, we can't all be mad, but like, like I hope we get that story where where maybe the one person in the room is not okay with it, but everybody else is. Like that's a very real thing, you know. Yeah. Like it's almost like going we've we've all been teenagers before. You feel like every eyeball in the room is on you at all times when really they're all 13, 14 years old, so everybody is just so wrapped in themselves that no one's looking at everybody else because we all think everybody's looking at me. Yeah. And I think that is probably, you know, She's going to come back in there. I hope the whispers that I kissed her and I said that I loved her didn't get out, didn't come back in. And now, you know, all of those pressures. I hope that's in that story somewhere. And from what we've got from the first season, I have faith that those kinds of stories will be there. Yeah, that's a great point. And and if you think of I mean, I'm I'm with you that uh, I don't think they show us a scene like they do at the end of the credits of the finale with, you know, the book going back on the shelf, volume one Mm -hmm. of three. Unless they're they have plans for volumes two and three, and yeah. it makes me happy to think that it it could in fact just be a three season series. That feels very Star Wars. Um, and if yep. if if volume two is the exploration of life when they return, obviously, right? Th- of course, there's the big story of the worm's going to show up, and you know, yep. you know, war is inevitable, all that stuff. Yep. But also, you know, as we've you know as we've talked about a lot. This sense of adventure they get to have beyond the barrier, they're free of all those constraints, as you know, as you've as you've indicated several times. So now when they come back into that that pre-constructed world, they're different, but the world isn't. So, right. Mm -hmm. And and classic act two of anything, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones, Last Jedi, they all did it. We have to see these characters brought low again. Um, So and split up. Yeah. So when they go back and have to go back into the barrier, they have to go back into those preconceived notions of who they are. How's that going to ruffle their feathers or ruffle that, mm-hmm. that beautiful piece of armor that Kit, Thant- Kit has on her? Um, <sighs> when are you going to take that off as soon as I figure it out? <laughs> God, all that armor. I don't know if anyone else is going to be aware, aware of, I think it's Guyver, right? I think it was like a 90s comic. And then they made a movie and I think a sequel that Mark Hamill was actually in. And it's like some weird alien suit that has like armor just magically appears. I'm a super nerd. And that's all I thought of when I was watching that. <laughs> 
I thought it was just the perfect, sure I thought it was the perfect combination of Thor and, yeah. and uh, Iron Man because the armor is very <laughs> Iron Man, but also one has to be worthy. Um, yes. And, uh, and, and to a point you made earlier, uh, like as Willow himself understands what his role in the story is. Borman also is he, you know, his whole quest. Yep. And I know we haven't talked much about him. And I also know that we've we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes. But uh, yeah. um, even Borman, his whole quest, you know, for this Chimerian cuirass is he's on this quest to right some past wrong. To, he's trying to redeem himself and become the hero, but understands that that's a burden that he doesn't have to carry either. Um mm-hmm. So I I love that so much of the story is about the older characters understanding that this younger generation is is where we get to move to next. Um, yep. So, but with, it's great. Yeah. So with that, I, I obviously there we could probably talk about this show for another two hours, Brian. And mm-hmm. uh, and if Chase mm-hmm. was here, we could probably add another five hours. Um, but <laughs> I really appreciate you making the time to to come on this evening and, and join me for a conversation around Willow. Um, no, thank you. This is wonderful. Yeah, I appreciate it. it. Pleasure was all mine. And before we wrap up, uh, if folks want to, you know, hear more about serving pink milk, you know, drop, drop all the deets, how folks can, uh, can follow <laughs> what y'all are up to. So uh, you can follow me and the show at serving pink milk on Twitter and Instagram. We have a podcast where myself and my husband talk stars. It's for us super fans and those forced to listen to us. And then we have a weekly live stream where myself, my friends, Emma and Chase, I'll take much deeper dives into star Wars and we get very thirsty. The chat room, if you are listening and you want to find a good star Wars community, the steam Queens are the greatest greatest that all of stars fandom has to offer um i love them all dearly uh so you can tune in every wednesday at 9 p.m east on youtube and come like mid-february i will have a, a a genuine youtube channel serving milk starting soon with me and some friends um that are not real friends but they're going to be friends there so i'm very excited oh well, as as I said, Brian, it, it was a real pleasure to get to to chat with you, and and I can't thank you enough for making time. I I know how busy you are, so it, it means the world that you, uh, that you took you. an opportunity to, took the time to come chat with me about Willow. I I've been wanting to talk about this for weeks now, so it, it a real privilege to get to to have this oh. conversation with you. It was great. We didn't. We got to talk about the first three episodes on the live streams, and then we took breaks for the holidays and New Year, and then it just kind of stopped. And I was like, "Wow, it felt like we didn't get to return." <laughs> but now I did, well, and now I found out that yeah. I'm a questie. Yeah. So it's like a win-win. It's it's yeah. It's been so it's been so fun being being your questie on this little adventure. <laughs> um, so everybody, thank you so much for for tuning in to for this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode five hundred two, Willow season one. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at the Wampus Lair. We're also on Twitter at Wampus Lair. You can always email us at Wampus Lair Podcast at gmail.com. Um, on behalf of Brian, I am Carl. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>